Welcome to Building Vibrant Communities, a podcast for anyone interested in supporting and being part of the future success of our cities and towns. This podcast is a collaboration of team members of Patronicity and Bench Consulting from across the country. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to another episode of Building Vibrant Communities. I'm Bridget Anderson and our guest today is Gung Wang. I met Gung when I joined the Dimension Mill, which is this beautiful co-working and collaborative space here in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Gung. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. So you are the co-founder of Civic Champs, and um, I, first of all, immediately sent you a message when I even heard the name of your company, mostly because we have the pleasure of working with so many community leaders who we really see as champions of their communities. And I was like, oh, Civic Champs, it just like captures the passion and energy of these nonprofits and those people serving communities. So Obviously, I just immediately was like, hey, what is, what do you do? Tell me more of, about who you are. So I would love for you to tell everybody about Civic Champs. Uh, what do you do and why did you uh, create it? Sure, absolutely. So in a nutshell, um, we are a, a technology company that serve non, uh, nonprofits. And what we try to do is increase capacity and funding uh, for those nonprofits, right? And the way we do it is, is really through the lens of volunteerism. And so the idea is how do we um, uh, provide the tools uh, for nonprofits so that they can have uh, management of volunteering becoming a more seamless experience for them and, and also their volunteers, right? And so in the process, uh, uh, giving back capacity to those nonprofits so that they can do more good. Um, and then on the back end, what we do is we help the nonprofits convert those uh, volunteers to donors, right? And so that's how we increase uh, funding. And so the way we came about um, was, I would say maybe around 18 months ago at this point, um, I was working at a ed tech startup company called Ardeo Education, and uh, I was helping to put together our day of service as part of the corporate social responsibility program uh, for the company, and um, recognized at the po- at that time that, you know, putting together this day of service turned out to be more work (laughs) and harder than I had anticipated, right? Whether that's reaching out and finding the right uh, nonprofit partners, uh, getting a response for them, um, and had uh, the opportunity also uh, from that experience to engage with a number of executive directors. And so one in particular, uh, Sandy was her name. She, you know, said something that uh, stuck with me um, when we t- uh, talked and, and um, she said that she spent over a hundred hours a week managing and recording and tracking volunteer hours. And I thought, whoa, you know, why, why, you know, how do you do it? And she, was, she showed me the binders and clipboards that she used. Um, and I thought, man, you know, there's no way a for-profit company um, would put up with that, right? Like there's just great tools out there today. You know, if you think about a Starbucks or CVS, um, you know, with their customer loyalty program, you just scan your app and, and you're done. And so we thought, could we bring that kind of technology and experience um, to the nonprofit uh, arena? And so that's where Civic Champs was born. 
It's so smart and it, it makes so much sense to be serving nonprofits in the same way that we would serve businesses, right? Our donors, our volunteers, the people who connect with these, these organizations need the same systems to be able to manage uh, those relationships. And, it, you know, you really think about how, you know, Salesforce, for example, has like a whole you know, nonprofit arm, right. right, where they serve. And to think that, you know, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of nonprofits really, really struggle to not only manage those relationships, which are key, but also do so in a way that's beneficial for donors and potentially volunteers. And so I love this. I love that um, making um, connections to organizations doing good is easier mm -hmm. than ever. And yep. that uh, is uniquely timely. Um, so I would love to ask you, um, we talk so much to nonprofits who are really trying to build that sense of connectivity and community and your app does that really quickly. But mm -hmm. I would love to get a sense from you. What does civic engagement mean to you? How do you think individuals can be kind of these champions in their own community? Because I think you solve uh, for that, but currently in the COVID crisis, yeah. you know, that, that sense of connectivity is lost. And I know you, you know, your work solves for some of that, but what does that actually mean to you? Yeah. So, um, I think civic engagement is, you know, in my mind, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind is this distinction between, uh, participation, right. And answer promotion. Um, and, and so, you know, I think people talk about like uh, Black Lives Matter or any of these sort of social issues. And a lot of us, it's, it's very easy to post on social media, you know, change our backgrounds, etc. Um, but really taking action, right, is in, in my mind, the main difference uh, in terms of, you know, true civic engagement. Um, the other, right, while uh, still important, right, you know, sort of sharing your voice and adding to it. Um, is 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 good but you can take it one step further and right and so i think that's where volunteerism is so powerful right it's it's actually you taking action to make the world a slightly better place and particularly usually your local community right and and there's um there's so many benefits to that right it's one of the few areas where you can rub shoulders with other people of different you know you know uh, ethnicities, class, right, and all, all the things that uh, tend to separate us, if you will. Um, when you were talking about the challenges of COVID, uh, one thing that came to mind for, for, for me is, you know, we uh, recently launched uh, through the, our foundation a new initiative called Helping Hands uh, that aims to connect volunteers directly with uh, people that are in need of some basic uh, services or errands, if you will, like grocery shopping, grocery delivery, you know, lawn care, things like that, where I think it's sometimes hard to, uh, to, to, to recognize how much of an impact those small acts of kindness can really, uh, you know, uh, do for, for an individual, right? So as, you know, quick aside, we had a, um, a lady who broke her arm, right, her right arm, um, and uh, you know otherwise uh, is, is 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 healthy. But you know she she's she was having a hard time um, just you know moving some boxes right up to a higher you know for storage. And so someone um, that could help her do that, you know, could 
uh, make a big difference in her life, right? Like, you know, imagine, you know, boxes and boxes of clutter, and then you can help her actually um, make an impact where every day she, she, you know, now going forward, she can appreciate this, you know, cleaner space that she has. Um, and so those are some of the things that we've sort of tried to do um, as, as COVID-19 has disrupted, you know, the day-to-day, um, especially in the volunteering arena. I love that example. It seems so simple, right? A, a simple need is I cannot move my arm, right? Like that's clear. And the solution is find someone who can help you move the things that you can't uh, with that arm. And it, it reminds me of, you know, what I've started to see on social media where um, some movements I follow who are just like, hey, can you drop off, you know, a case of bottled water or mm. can you give us sunscreen because we're going to be outside or bug spray or whatever that might be mean. And I think that those small tangible things are making people feel even more connected and, and right. um, helping nonprofits to quickly and easily nonprofits or movements or, or even individuals in communities, you know, creating these actionable things makes um, drives outcome and impact in a quicker and easier way and measurable way, right? Like, so now I could say if I, you know, donated a case of bottled water, you know, if I track how many cases of bottled water, I can, I can tell a really exciting or proud story of all of the things I was able to accomplish. Um, and I think technology has a really simple and, and not even just from a donor or volunteer, uh, perspective, but also as a nonprofit, right? Telling the story of like, we had this many volunteers who Mm -hmm. gave this Mm -hmm. much time and this much energy. And when we're in an environment where people are kind of competing for funds, you need a differentiator um, to be able to, you know, say that you have quantifiable um, impact. And I think technology has a real role in that. So what do you think technology's role in um, kind of building that connectivity to community should be or could be? Well, you know, for, for us, you know, we, we think about it as a little bit of a scaffolding um, approach, right? So at, at the most basic level and where we're initially, you know, focused was how do you use technology to reduce the friction in this process, right? So, you know, it's, it's been really heartening to see uh, lots and lots of nonprofits sort of rise to the occasion um, with COVID-19, where they said, hey, we have new demands um, from our communities, new things that we've never had to tackle before, and I'm just going to go and try to solve that. Um, unfortunately, right, oftentimes, uh, you know, in these sort of ad hoc uh, environments, you use the most basic tools, right? You're, you're using spreadsheets and, you know, you're sharing things on Google Sheets or something like that, right? And and you say, hey, we're, we're getting it done, but it's... it's uh, it's a um, it's a huge lift that's required, right, from uh, from the uh, staff members, and so what we think about is how do we use technology to uh, to decrease the amount of lift that's required from the staff members so that you can do even more, right? So you can imagine even the example I gave, which is okay. Well, I have. Um, 200 volunteers that want to help right today and they're they're very excited to help and we we have the policies in place to keep them sort of safe and and, and everything but now I have all these uh, requests coming in from you know individuals while well, somebody has to do the matching and it's it's very manual today right yeah. that that you say oh I'm gonna call oh can you do it this time no no, no. okay well or um, 
And so how do we use technology to make that a more automated process so that now you you have a dashboard that says, okay, here's the number of requests coming in. Here's the ones that have already been claimed, right? Here's the ones that might be uh, quote unquote uh, in, in danger of, uh, of not being claimed, right? And then that's where you can then better allocate your time to say, okay, I'm gonna call my quote unquote super volunteers uh, to tackle those specific issues, all right, that, um, that other folks aren't able to pick up. Um, and, and so it just makes it so that you can have greater impact. Um, I think that's part one. And then, and then you talk about this community building piece of it, right? And so I think that is, um, in my mind, sort of stage two, mm. which where now that you have um, uh, built this community, actually, right, of, of people giving and receiving and, and sort of feeling invested in their local communities, you know, how do you keep them engaged, right? Um, how do you keep them excited? How do you share information? And how do you bring it back into maybe a smaller um, uh, network, if you will, right? And so part of our vision is for each nonprofit, could we create an environment where maybe you and I um, volunteer together, uh, but it's a little awkward to share contact information right away, right? right? Yeah. Um, but maybe I can like LinkedIn, I can request to follow you or something like that. And, you know, we, you know, we can still uh, jointly see content that is being shared um, by each of us uh, regarding the nonprofit that, uh, that we, we support, right? So, you know, lots of folks take pictures when they're volunteering and, um, you know, wouldn't it be neat if you could share that um, experience? I love that. And it also feels much more authentic. Um, you know, we had someone say, you know, in a time when we're really feeling disconnected, how do you, one, connect to people who, I mean, I think it's more than just think the way you do, but actually act and behave and have the same or similar value set when everyone's feeling isolated and alone and sad. And I love that, you know, kind of second phase, the idea that um, you can create a connector already mm. by their love or appreciation for this movement or nonprofit or activity or just right. event from that. Yeah. And then that has the potential to create, in my personal opinion, I don't have any data about this, but a more authentic and long lasting connection, right? Sure. Because the reason I was so interested in your work is because I love the way you talked about it, right? Like I, <laughs> I got energized and that feels much more authentic than, you know, being an event and, you know, coming up to a stranger and, you know, sticking your hand out, right? It's a little safer. Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, for extroverts like me, that's not a problem anyway. But for people who are introverted or it feels uncomfortable or, you know, that there's, there are real barriers to finding that kind of connectivity. And um, sure. I love and that it, you point out that. To your point, I, I think it's a mix of both of those things, right? That yeah. both that in-person component, that building that initial engagement, and also maybe if, you know, repeat volunteering, you, you sort of see each other again. Uh, but to your point, I think everyone has um, their own uh, timeline for how they like to build these relations. Some people, right, um, it may take a little longer or they like to, um, you know, uh, you do things uh, offline that complement uh, their online, you know, sort of their um, 
uh, their experience in person, right? And so uh, that's really our goal. It's not so much, you know, I don't think you can ever replace the in-person uh, connections necessarily, um, but but you can sort of uh, certainly augment it in and in, in in a much more authentic way. To your point, right, that you are you had this shared experience, you have a shared passion for something, um, and and that feels very different from you know even other uh, sort of social media networks, right, where it's a little bit more curated, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, curated. I like I like the use of that word. Um, I know you you shared a little bit about uh, your kind of helping hands initiative and what you're you're hoping to do in response to COVID. But COVID nineteen has really changed what our nonprofits, our communities feel and look like, and and there's a lot of unknowns. I know one of the things that I think there's been like this big caveat around, like, well, we're we don't know what public events look like or public spaces or, you know, what those things look like. So maybe if we can give each other a little glimmer of light by being like, what do we hope these things look like? Um, yeah. And are sure. there any, are there any things that are, that you've seen in your work that are inspiring you in response to, to COVID-19? Maybe that's a little bit easier to answer. Oh, sure. I mean, there's um, lots of things I think I find inspiring recently. Right. So, you know, there, um, there's definitely been a rise in terms of people's willingness and desire to help each other, which I think is, is awesome. And so part of the challenge, I think, at, at, you know, with these things is how you capture that um, feeling and, and keep the momentum even after the crisis has subsided and or the crisis continues, right? And and you say, oh, well, now, now I'm sort of over it. Um, and and um, so I think that's part of the challenge. And so my hope, right, um, is that uh, that willingness can, uh, can continue after COVID-19. And, you know, maybe people have an experience where they say, hey, you know, I actually um, hadn't volunteered for a long time. And, you know, I, I, I um, did so now. And, man, it, it felt great. And I... Um, I, I now feel more connected to my community. I want to continue that. Um, uh, so that's that's a goal or hope uh, in my mind. Uh, you know, I I'm also an optimist. So I, I you know I think that you know COVID nineteen hopefully right knock on wood uh, you know a vaccine will come out soon maybe in the spring who knows right and we can um, uh, get back to normal so to speak right. Um, the other, uh, you know, the other thing that I, I, you know, if I were to be a optimist is uh, COVID has certainly forced everyone to uh, adopt new technologies. Mm -hmm. And so even, uh, you know, we're doing this conversation over Zoom, right? Yeah. And so is there, uh, um, is there an opportunity actually to even, um, even more leverage technology going forward, even as people go back to, you know, go back to normal? Uh, you know, some of the ways that people have found they can stay engaged uh, without having to be in person, uh, perhaps we can uh, continue the good parts of that, right? And, and, and weave that into their new volunteering experience where maybe if you're mentoring someone, you say, hey, like normally I would only do this every other week because we have to drive and meet and all this other stuff. But, you know, let's, let's do that you know, for the first two weeks, but in between, maybe we can grab, you know, 15 minutes over Zoom, right? And people are now comfortable with that um, experience. So that's uh, my hope is that we can uh, 
take the lessons from COVID and apply it and, and, and make it even, uh, you know, make these programs even stronger going forward. Well, I appreciate you sharing that optimism. I tend to be optimistic as well. And I've actually gotten some feedback from some communities about how their local uh, nonprofit uh, board or their um, Main Street organization, they've had record attendance because they are on Zoom, whereas, yes. you know, those in-person meetings have prevented them from being there um, in person. Um, what's next for Civic Champs? What are you all working on? Is there anything else you'd like to share about your work? Yeah, no, uh, you know, we um, we have a lot on our plates, uh, you know, a few things, right? So we have this new uh, COVID-specific initiative that we're doing where we're connecting volunteers directly with end users, sort of like a task rabbit for volunteering. Um, that's certainly a, a big initiative for us right now. Um, I think, uh, you know, going into the, um, the fall, right, we... Um, you know, we talked about some of these community building tools and and how do we uh, drive, uh, you know, um, increase engagement and, and sort of uh, amongst the volunteers. And so that's something that's sort of top of mind for us to introduce features that sort of build that community. Nice. Love that. Well, great. Uh, we really appreciate your time and value your energy in sharing the work you're doing. And uh, good luck with Civic Champs. And uh, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Building Vibrant Communities. We hope you were inspired to hear from our guests and learn more about how together we are shaping communities now and in the future. If you or someone you know should be featured on our podcast, let us know. You can tweet us at Patronicity or email us at info at Stay safe and be inspired.